1: Sometimes standing for truth and proclaiming truth and standing against falsehood doesn't seem loving. But if we really love people like God loves people, we're going to tell them the truth, not our opinion, not over disputable matters and things that are not clear, but things that are clear and that are essential to people's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to their growth
0: in Him. The darker this world becomes, the sometimes harder it is to stand for the truth. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he explains that sometimes standing for truth is a lot harder than it seems. In our world today, to stand for truth takes bravery and heart. Sometimes to stand for truth doesn't appear to be loving to the world, even though it is. Pastor Danny urges you to continue to stand for the truth of the gospel. Stand for what is clear and essential to faith and growth in Jesus Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 John chapter 1 with today's edition of the Living Word.
1: disputable matters. Um, some of the things it talks about is uh, some Christians say we ought to all be vegetarians. when they try to use scripture to prove that. And then on the other hand, some say, no, everybody can eat meat. It's okay to eat meat. Uh, there were issues, Romans 14 mentions of whether you eat meat that's unclean. And one of the things that people had a problem with in their conscience was if they found out that meat they bought at the market was before it got to the market offered and sacrificed to an idol, they couldn't in clear conscience eat that meat because it had been offered to an idol. And then there's an issue in Romans 14 about um, alcoholic beverages, whether you can drink wine or not as a Christian. Folks, these are disputable matters. And the whole point concluding in Romans 14 is what whatsoever is not of faith is sin. All right? And here's the deal. For one Christian to partake of an alcoholic beverage would be wrong for them. If you came from an alcoholic background, whatever, you know, you probably ought to stay away from it. But then for another Christian, that same issue, it might be okay. Are you with me? And that's what it's talking about. And you have other things not mentioned in Romans chapter 14. I mean, I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember the issue in, in a lot of churches when women started wearing pants to church. That was a big deal in a lot of churches. Dancing was an issue when I first became a Christian. And the church I was a part of, they didn't want you dancing because they said if you dance, you know you're going to conjure up demons that are going to lead you into bad things. Some things in the Bible are not clear. Some things are disputable matters. But some things are absolutely clear. Absolutely clear. And teachings, teachings that are important teachings not disputable matters, not non-essentials. The gospel is the essential, but then other doctrines very clearly revealed in the scriptures. Very important. Don't be surprised if even from your own local church, and we've seen it happen more than once, unfortunately, that people bring in distortions of the truth and begin to evangelize those, and then the leadership has to deal with it. Here's what Paul said to the Ephesian elders about the ephesian church even from your own number men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them so be on your guard remember that for three years i never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears it it grieved paul because he knew of how people would be drawn away go with me just a minute second timothy second timothy chapter 2 Paul actually mentioned some names of uh, people who uh, he was once associated with. That's the impression you get. And they may have even ministered together. That seems to be the implication. 2 Timothy 2, verse 14. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value. Only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. And then he mentions a couple of guys. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. And once they began to teach that, Paul stood opposed to it and no longer welcomed their fellowship. First Timothy, first Timothy chapter one, one of the same names is mentioned, Hymenaeus, but another guy is mentioned and we aren't given the detail, but he says in verse 18 of chapter one, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them, you might fight the good fight holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus, and then he mentions another guy, and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, to be taught not to blaspheme. So whatever they were teaching was so seriously a distortion of the truth. Paul said, I'm taking a stand against them and against what they represent and what they proclaim. Back in Second John, let me give you one bit of practical encouragement. From 2 John verses 10 and 11, very strong uh, admonition here. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Now, here's a practical question. I'm going to give you my opinion. Does that mean that when the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, in my neighborhood, they keep coming because there's a kingdom hall right around the corner and they're just relentless. They just keep coming. And when they knock on my door, if I let them in, Am I violating that passage? My opinion is I don't think so. It's what I say to them after I welcome them in. Now, I, I must admit, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm following the Lord every time on this. I don't know. But I don't feel often led anymore to invite them in and have a, a, a lengthy conversation. Usually our conversation is very brief, and it's the front door or in the front yard. And sometimes I actually run into the backyard and don't answer the door. Uh, come on, you do too. Yeah, come on. No different than you. <laughs> but in the times I have had conversation with them, and I've had many, I'll ask to use their Bible. I'll lay some ground rules. I'll say, look, here's, here's some ground rules that I think is fair for you and for me. If you share 10 minutes, uh, then you give me 10 minutes. If I share 10 minutes, I give you. And then we put a, I usually put a watch right there and say, okay, you know, hey, okay, I, I appreciate that, but now. And then we'll go back and forth, equal sharing time. Just honor one another with that. And then I'll take their Bible and I'll usually go to Isaiah, starting in Isaiah chapter 43. You might want to just take a a quick turn there, Isaiah chapter 43. And I'll go down to the middle of verse 10. And the middle of verse 10 says, Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. And notice it's the little g God. They suggest Jesus is a God with a little g. I, even I, verse 11, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. Now, if your Bible translation has the Lord there with four capital letters, capital L-O-R-D, that's telling you it's a translation of the Hebrew word for Jehovah. That's very important, especially when I'm talking to Jehovah's witnesses. I say, you're aware that's Jehovah. And of course they are. That's Jehovah. And we start there. And then I go to chapter 44, And I'll go down to verse 6. This is what the Lord, capitalized, this is what Jehovah says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Either at that point or sometime later, I'll go from that scripture and tie it in to Revelation chapter 1 where John sees the vision of Jesus and Jesus says there, I am the first and the last. That's what he says. And then we'll keep going. And I'll go uh, chapter 44, verse 8. In the verse 8, you're my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. And then you go to verse 24. This is what the Lord Jehovah says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am Jehovah who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. And either at that point or sometime later, I'll tie in from that verse, Colossians. And Colossians tells us that Christ is the one who created all things. And then I go to Isaiah chapter 45 and the first part of verse 5. I am Jehovah and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God same chapter last part of verse 6 I am the Lord Jehovah and there is no other verse 18 Isaiah 45 the end of the verse I am the Lord Jehovah there is no other verse 22 Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I've sworn, my mouth is uttered in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. And then I'll link that verse with Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, especially verses 9 through 11, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then I'll link that with Romans 9, 5, where Paul gives the advantage of being a Jew, being an Israelite. And they have, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all. Doesn't get any clearer. When I spoke about the Blessed Mother, and I started off telling you about some of the teachings of the Catholic Church regarding the Blessed Mother that are just absolutely not true. And every time I mention that, somebody will come up to me after one of the services or somebody will email me and say, well, they say lots of different things. But, uh, but over the years, a lot of times people say, you know, I invited my Catholic friends or my Catholic neighbors or Catholics that work and they came to church with me today and they'll probably never come back again. And I'm sorry for that. But truth and love have to go together. And if you say, I love somebody, but you're not willing to tell them the truth, you don't really love them. You don't really love them. I want people to know the truth because it's the truth of the word of God. It's not my truth. It's not my opinion. We've had to deal with so many things over the years. Thank God I don't have to get into it today, but not long ago, we had to examine the teachings of a man and our leadership examined them carefully. And we concluded based on the word of God that much of his teaching it's falsehood. That was painful for us to do. It cost me a relationship with a close friend who was an elder in our church. Some of the people left the church still today. Some people who still agree with that teaching, and our relationship has been affected. You think I enjoy that? Of course not. I had a lady come up to me after a service a few years ago. Uh, she was fairly new to the church. I talked to her several times and she came up all excited after one service said, I just finished training with a ministry called Hallelujah Acres. Maybe you're familiar with the ministry. Look, I've read testimonies where people have been healed through the diet of Hallelujah Acres. I've read testimonies where people have been cured of cancer and I don't disbelieve that. I think that's probably true, but you need to understand if you're familiar at all with the Hallelujah Acres and that ministry and their teaching, the basis of their teaching The basis of their teaching is that God never intended man to eat meat. They say for 1,700 years, man didn't deal with the diseases and all the sicknesses that we do. But after the flood, God gave man the animals to eat. And as soon as man started eating meat, that's when we had all the problems. Folks, that's an unbiblical teaching. It's just not true. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry. Catholic Church ought to look at that one too. And order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. That's the truth. Romans chapter 14, verse 14. Paul the apostle says, as one who is in the Lord Jesus, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Mark chapter 7, verse 19. Listen, write that one down. Jesus declared all foods clean. If it's wrong and God never intended man to eat meat, Jesus ate the meat of the lamb of the Passover meal. So he violated that. Jesus Christ. Calm down. (laughs) Calm down. I just hate it when I hear people purporting something to be truth that's not truth. If you want to go on a diet that will help you physically, praise the Lord. But don't make it a doctrine that doesn't line up with the word of God. Don't do that. And then we've had people, oh my goodness, some of the children of people that I know and love, and some others who used to be a part of our fellowship, gotten into the Hebrew roots movement. What an ungodly teaching. What an unbiblical teaching. They teach that the Old Testament takes precedence. The dietary laws are still in effect. The Sabbath laws are still in effect. They say Jesus never really instituted a new covenant. And they interpret everything in the New Testament through the Old Testament. And they distort truth. They're going to answer to Jesus one day. Colossians chapter 2, Therefore don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. If I had the time, I was going to take you to some verses in the Old Testament I'll just mention a couple of them. Of course, we can't forget those who have stood for truth over the centuries. Some recorded for us in Scripture and some in history, men like Martin Luther. Thank God for Martin Luther and his willingness to stand against the whole Catholic Church in regard to the truth and the purity of the gospel. And the Reformation was a God thing. But to stand for truth takes courage and to stand for truth always has a cost. Always has a cost. Daniel willing to stand for truth, put him in a lion's den. His friends... Ananias, Hazariah, and Mishael, we know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to burn rather than bow. Samuel, his first job as a young lad, he's called to be a prophet, and he had to stand and speak truth to Eli the priest, who was a very godless priest and a godless father. Isaiah, oh, he had that vision in Isaiah 6 of being... The vision of the Lord high and lifted up and he was so moved and so saw his own sin in a fresh way and became more of a servant than ever before. And he hears God saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He says, I, here am I, I'll go. You know how Isaiah, the book ends? Isaiah chapter 65 verse 2. God says, all day long I've held out my hands to an obstinate people. And the one he used mainly to do that was Isaiah. Isaiah. Ezekiel, God told him, chapter 2, verse 4, the people I am sending you to are obstinate and stubborn. And that same stubbornness was in their descendants years later. Acts chapter 7, Stephen told the truth and it got him killed. But he said in chapter 7 of Acts verse 51, you're just like your fathers with uncircumcised hearts and ears and stubborn. They wouldn't listen to the truth. And they took his own life. Jesus in Matthew 23, 35 mentioned Zechariah. They killed Zechariah between the temple and the altar. John the Baptist stood before the likes of King Herod. It got him to prison. And ultimately, he lost his head, literally, for the truth. The apostles, the Bible's filled with men and women who stood for truth. But there's always, always a cost. Now let me close with our greatest example. Matthew's Gospel chapter 15 Matthew chapter 15 our greatest example of one who stood for and proclaimed truth no matter what the cost verse one some Pharisees and Sadducees of the law came to Jesus and asked why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders they don't wash their hands before they eat and Jesus replied and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it? Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Well, that seems loving, doesn't it? But he's telling them the truth. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And Jesus called the crowd and he said, listen and understand, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Do not miss verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and asked, you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? They were offended. You know what Jesus says? Leave them. They're blind guides, and if a blind man leads a blind man, they'll both fall into a pit. On two occasions, one in the beginning of his earthly ministry, and then just before the cross, Jesus came into Jerusalem and made a whip out of cords. And he went into the temple and he overturned the the money changers' uh, tables and he drove them out with a whip. Doesn't seem very loving. They set those tables back up. They continued their hypocrisy and disregard for the truth. And three years later, just before the cross, Jesus comes back in. He turns their tables over again. And with another whip, he drives them out. But let me read you the verses just before the record of that final occasion before the cross when Jesus drives the money changers out of the temple. The verses just before the record of him doing that. And I read Luke 19, verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. And then he prophesied that the judgment would come because they would not receive the truth. But he loved them. He loved, he wept over them. But he would not have really loved them if he had not told them the truth. Most blistering message ever recorded by Jesus. And by the way, let me put this one up real quick. Jesus says, as it is, you're determined to kill me, a man who told you the truth that I heard from God. Most blistering message recorded by Jesus is Matthew chapter 23. If you've never read it, you read it. I'm telling you what, he just gives the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the hypocrites, he gives them a mouthful, calls them a bunch of snakes. I mean, it's a blistering message. Let me give you the scripture Right after that message. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus said, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He loved them. He loved them. And he wanted to gather them. But he couldn't. Because when he told them the truth, they rejected it. Stephen, as they're stoning him, the very ones killing him, Remember what he prayed just before he died? Father, forgive them. He loved them. The very ones he told the truth to that put him to death, he loved them. Here's my desire as a pastor, and it ought to be the desire for every pastor. Paul said, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth... In love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Can you say amen to that? Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Not easy to stand for truth. There's always a cost. Always a cost. But when we stand before Jesus one day, no matter what the cost, it will be worth it. Let's not be arrogant. Let's not be prideful. Let's do our best to ask the Lord to help us to come across as loving. But let's also understand, and we've just gotten several examples, and I could go to a lot more in the scriptures and in history. We're sometimes standing for truth and proclaiming truth and standing against falsehood doesn't seem loving. But if we really love people like God loves people, We're going to tell them the truth, not our opinion, not over disputable matters and things that are not clear, but things that are clear and that are essential to people's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to their growth in him.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You're welcome to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Danny by going to our website ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest messages and videos from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. If you're not able to visit us in person, no worries. We also offer live stream services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series in the book of 2 John, our prayer is that you're finding a newfound appreciation for who Jesus is and how your life should reflect him. 2 John is full of practical wisdom to help guide you as you grow in truth. And we hope this message has empowered you to live a life after that of Jesus. After all, he is the greatest truth. The goal of this ministry is teaching the word and reaching the world. We trust that the living word is speaking to many and pray that lives would be changed. Well, that's all we have for today. Tune in again next time to hear Pastor Danny continue teach through the book of 2 John right here on The Living Word.